All right, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Um, tonight we'll be in Jonah chapter 1. Um, really cool thing happened today, and it was totally unintended. But my sermon and my dad's sermon kind of go hand in hand. They both rely heavily on the themes of repentance and God kind of tearing down our pride and our arrogance. And um, I don't know, it's been a real big blessing to me as I was preparing to deliver this sermon, and I hope it will be a blessing to all of you as you prepare to listen to the sermon. Uh, before we go any further, I would like to have a brief word of prayer to kind of kick things off. So if you could all bow your heads. Dear Lord, please be with everyone in here tonight. Allow us to further understand your word. And God, just start with me. Give me the ability to effectively convey the message you have given me for this specific block of scripture. And may I do so effectively. And um, Lord... Be with the people in the audience, and may they have open hearts and open minds to hear your message. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. May all glory be to you. Hallowed be thy name. Amen. All right. um, I will give you a second to turn to Jonah chapter 1, and I will do so myself. So I trust everyone, or at least most of you guys, are in Jonah chapter 1. So um, let's begin with verses 1 and 2. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Now we see a few things in these first two verses. The first thing we see is God giving an imperative to go. God clearly expresses that Jonah is to go and prophesy against Nineveh. Now, before we go any further, let's just think for a second about what exactly God was asking Jonah to do. Nineveh was a great city of even greater sin. Their various pagan religions demanded everything of the Ninevites from ceremonial prostitution to child sacrifice. On top of that, the Ninevites hated Israelites like Jonah. So God was certainly not demanding an easy thing from Jonah. But the crucial concept of these two verses is that God was demanding it from Jonah. God was not asking Jonah to go to Nineveh. He was commanding Jonah to go to Nineveh. It is a fact that humanity's sole purpose is to fulfill God's will and bring glory to him. We are to obey and glorify our Lord and Savior. As we will later see, God's will shall and must always be accomplished. Always, period. And when humans attempt to deviate from that will, as we all inevitably do, then God will tear us down and restore us to our proper place in fulfilling his will. It may seem sort of harsh, but God's will shall and must be accomplished, always, period. And it is sin to disobey God and his will, and to rebel against him is both arrogant and sinful. We see in the scriptures that God gave Jonah direct command, yet the scriptures show us in just a second that Jonah did exactly the opposite of what he was commanded to do. Jonah chapter 1 verse 3 reads as follows. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. We see Jonah disobey God by not going to Nineveh. We see Jonah rebel against God's will. To put it in more simple terms, we see Jonah sin. 
Now, there's something I would like to look at in this verse, aside from the basic fact that Jonah is sinning, and that is the nature in which Jonah is sinning. It says that Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. So let's just dig into this a little. You could break up this verse into two things to think about. The first thing being Jonah's actual sin, going to Tarshish instead of Nineveh. Jonah heard God, rose up, and went the opposite way from God's way. Classic, old school, eating the apple, human rebellion. The second thing to think about is the nature of Jonah's actual sin. And we must ask ourselves, what can the nature of a man's sin tell us about the nature of a man? Notice that he wasn't just fleeing to Tarshish, but he was fleeing to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. John 3.19 reads, This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. God is holy, and man is not. Did you, did you guys hear that? God is holy, and man is not. Okay, I just, I just kind of want to riff on this a little. God is holy, and man is not. Now, what does that imply about God, God's condition and the human condition? It means that God is infinitely above man. It means that man is infinitely below God. It means that God is perfection, pure perfection, and man is not. It is God's magnificence and significance and man's insignificance and sin. We see that because God is holy, man does not want to be in his presence. That's what John 3.19 is saying. Man, man does not like to be around holiness because holiness shows him his own humanity and mankind does not like to see that. Man fears holiness. Our initial response to God is not to go up to him with open arms and give him a big hug. It is to sit and cower in fear and trembling because he is holy and we are afraid of the holy. That was kind of deep. All right. Um, Jonah did not want to be in the presence of holiness as sinful man does not want to be. He did not want to be in the presence of light. He did not want to be in the presence of something that would show him that he was wrong and break his arrogance and his pride. Jonah, much like ourselves, much like myself, was in love with his sin, so he fled from God. I'm sure as he was fleeing, thoughts were going through his mind like, I don't have to obey. My way is right. I'll just run away from God, put a lot of distance between us. God will respect that. God will leave me alone, right? Well, to answer that simply, no, he will not leave you alone. If you would please look back in your Bibles to Jonah chapter 1, verses 4 through 8, and it reads as follows. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship, and had lay down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call to your God. Perhaps the God will give us a thought that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? Of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Okay, that's, that's a big 
chunk of text. That's a lot to take in. So let's just step back for a moment and kind of break this down a little. The first thing we see in this hunk of text is God putting the ship into a ferocious storm. I mean, there were experienced seamen on the boat with Jonah, hard men who had weathered many, many a fearsome gale. But the storm was so terrible that each of them cried out to their individual gods. This storm goes back to what I was saying in the beginning of my sermon when I was introducing it about God breaking men so that his will may be done. Except in the text, Jonah was not being broken, but he was sleeping. Jonah, so clinging to his pride and sin, tried to sleep off the wrath of God. Seriously. You've already tried to run from God, and he pursued you, and he pursued you quite violently, mind you, and you're seriously going to try and sleep off his divine wrath. That just just gets me every time I read this text. But that's not all. Once he was awoken, he confessed that it was because of him that the storm had so ravaged his boat. And the scripture says that the men were exceedingly afraid, for they knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. Then they asked Jonah how they could quiet down the seas for them. But instead of dropping to his knees and repenting right then and there, Jonah asked to be thrown overboard. Okay, let's think about that for just a second. Jonah was so repulsed by the idea of repentance, the idea of obedience, the admittedly terrifying idea of God breaking him so that he would rather die than let God get a hold of him. Jonah would rather die than go to Nineveh. Jonah would rather die than swallow his pride and repent. And the scriptures show us that he really wanted to go through with it. Jonah asked to be thrown into the sea and drown. He was completely and utterly ready to to die. He was not going to yield, no, not by a long shot. He was stubbornly determined to hold on to his own way. He was whole to himself, but he was broken to God. And so badly did he want to remain whole to himself, yet broken to God, that he was ready to be thrown into the depths and drown. Jonah chapter 1, verse 12 reads like this. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea, then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Then it goes on to Jonah chapter 1 verses um, 13 through 16. It reads like this. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased for its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and made vows. And as they cried out for forgiveness, they hurled Jonah into the tempest. Now the men went on to sacrifice and make vows to the Lord. They went on to repent. But Jonah was ready to die. He had finally escaped from holiness, hadn't he? Well, no, he really hadn't. God had other plans for this sinner. We start to see those plans in Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. God was not going to let Jonah off so easily. While Jonah was in a frenzy of selfishness and sin, God was patiently letting his divine plan unfold. God appointed a fish to swallow Jonah, and through three days and three nights in the monster's gut, Jonah was broken at last. Jonah 2, verses 1 through 10, read as following. 
Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall look again upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed over me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But with the voice of thanksgiving, will I will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Notice how it says he called out from the belly of Sheol. God had put Jonah in very hellish circumstances in order to break him. Uh, I would definitely say hellish. I mean, 72 hours in the gut of a massive fish after attempting suicide doesn't exactly strike me as the happiest place on earth. Yet God used this hell to break Jonah of his pride and arrogance, and more importantly, bring Jonah to repentance. Just to help drive a few things home and wrap up this sermon, repentance means to leave the way you were going to go on a different way. Now for Jonah, this had two implications. Firstly, there was the physical implication. He ceased going to Tarsish in a boat and went to Nineveh in a fish. Secondly, God, Jonah ceased to trod the pointless path of his own will and begin to trod the good road of God's will. But the cool thing about how Jonah got to this place of repentance is that he never would have gotten there if God had not broken him and called him to repentance. If there is one overarching truth from this block of scripture and this sermon that I really want to drive home with all of you tonight, it is this. Sometimes, in the process of redeeming us, God must break us. Let me repeat that again. Sometimes, in the process of redeeming us, God must break us. In just a moment, the band will come up and play. If you know tonight that you need to be broken to yourself or made whole to God, or, as in the case of Jonah, both, then the altar is open to you now. Now, if everyone would bow their heads with me now. Lord, we come before you tonight. Thank you, God, for all of the things you have given us, your grace and your mercy. Lord, let us be broken. Break us to ourselves and make us whole to you. And Lord, start with me. Break me as you broke Jonah and call me to repentance of my sins so that I may be whole with you. Hallowed be thy name and may all glory be to you, God. Amen.